Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect, just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. We got Nathan here. We got Nick here. Um, how, how's it going, man? I think we had a quite an eventful week of sports. Eventful, to say the least. A lot of things happening and going on in the landscape of two sports we really love and some other events happening and some of the other sports we like as well, but don't touch on as often. But let's go ahead and get our focus shifted on the college football rankings. Those just came out this week. And so let's look at what do we agree with? What do we disagree with, Nathan? I'll let you go first. Yeah, so this is one of kind of the more exciting times of the year for college football play- or fans where you get that first initial college football rankings. And typically they're, they're more or less in agreement with the AP poll. There really, ha- there really isn't that many surprises, but I, I don't remember – the first slate of college football rankings that I've been this surprised about. Um, some I agree with, some I don't. So let's, I'll start with what I agree with, right? Um, I agree with Oklahoma being number eight. I will start there. That's a team that probably should have three or four losses that are nine and oh. I don't think they even deserve to be ranked. Now they have Baylor coming up, they have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State coming up two teams that are right now in the top 12. So obviously if they win those two games, those are huge, would be huge wins. They would probably find themselves in the top four. Um, But as of today, what I've seen from Oklahoma, I'm okay with that number eight slot. I really, really am. So I do agree with that. And I I know that's something a lot of people disagree with. Another thing I agree with, I agree with Michigan state at number three. That's the, if there's a Big Ten team that I think deserves to be right now in that top four, it is Michigan State. Not just because they're undefeated, but um, I think that win against Michigan, um, how they came back was super impressive. That's a team I feel like has the best coach in college football. Yes, I did say that. I think Mel Tucker could be that first coach to beat his master and Nick Saban. How you know how? Nick Saban uh, until Jimbo Fisher beat him um, really just dominates his former assistant coaches. I think Mel Tucker is one of the smartest, if not the smartest college football mind out there right now, obviously on the market, just Duke can coach. I love him a lot. Um, and um, I, I just like where Michigan state is what, um, what I disagree with. Um, I would say Alabama at two. Um, I know they have the one loss and I'm, I know they're, I know they're good and historically good. And I think that's why they push, put them there because they've been historically good, but 
their one loss is to A&M, right? Yet Ohio State's one loss is to a team in the top four. So in my opinion, if they each have a loss and Alabama's loss is worse than Ohio State's loss, then why is Alabama at Ohio State? In this situation, I think Alabama shouldn't be in the top four, and I think Cincinnati should be in the top four. I think Ohio State should be five, Alabama should be six, Cincinnati four, Oregon three, Michigan State two. That's what I would have done, I think, to keep consistent of their theme uh, because Alabama has a bad loss on their or, 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 I want to say a bad loss. It's just a worse loss than compared to the one loss Ohio State team. And on top of that, though, Alabama did not play well against Tennessee at all. It wasn't until the fourth quarter until they really kind of won that game. Um, and there's been a couple instances this year in other games that you look at Alabama and they just they don't really look like a a complete team like we're used to seeing. Ohio State, on the other hand, ever since that Oregon loss, um, they've been gradually got, gradually getting a lot better, and their wins have become more and more impressive. So, to me, on the eye test, Ohio State's better than Bama, just talking about style points and how they're winning games, and their one loss, Ohio State has a better loss than Alabama. So, I I just don't agree with Bama being three spots ahead of Ohio State. I just don't agree with that. Bama, six. Ohio State, I would have at five. um, Cincy, four. They deserve to be there. They've beat Notre Dame, who that's their only loss, is to Cincinnati and Cincinnati's been undefeated for two years now. They need to be in there. Oregon 3, Michigan State 2, Georgia 1. All right, that's my little take on it. What's yours? Overall, when I first see these college football rankings, this is kind of the landscape and map of what the committee sees and how they see things. And then you start playing the numbers game of, well, where are things going to shift? How are things going to shift? And just to start it off with Cincinnati, they're doing everything they can to keep them as close to it as they can. But they really don't want to slate them in there. Um, I don't. I don't think the Tulane loss is as big of a factor as many people make it to be. For them to be there, I think it's more or less of the size of their school and their the committee is just they still follow the almighty dollar. The cynic in me is what says that. Um, Alabama, I would agree with maybe being a little high, and that's more on pedigree than actual production on the field for where they're at. Ohio State has improved in their defense, but. These next few games are really going to prove where is Ohio State. Are they for real? Is that defense really shaped up? Is it better? Is it more improved? Or did we just go against inferior opponents where we can look really good? Now, Penn State was a team we were extremely high on early on, but they just seemed to be having a hard time. Not that Ohio State skated past them, but it was just a lot better matchup earlier in the season than what it ended up being here Oregon has an interesting test. Um, like we said, when they first beat Ohio State, it, they have to win out. They did have the one loss, but the committee is able to look through that one loss against Stanford and just see where they can go. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going or not, because historically speaking, Pac-12 teams have, have ex- eventually squandered it out. Who are your top four at the end of the season as of today? I think, though they have Alabama at two, so this this says a lot, right? I think their initial rankings are saying Cincinnati it has a very low chance of getting in. A lot of a lot of people above them have to lose. But the thing about Cincinnati, it's not just the people above him. I was watching the 
the the the rankings yesterday, and they were saying you got to watch the people behind them. Like, what if what if Michigan makes this run and wins, um, you know, and it potentially could win the Big Ten East? What if Oklahoma stays undefeated and wins the Big Twelve? What if Wake Forest stays undefeated and wins the ACC? Right. Or even the Oklahoma State and Baylor. What if they went out and won the Big Twelve? So they're saying, oh, there's there's teams behind Cincinnati that if they went out could jump them. Um, so it's not just like oh they have to bank on people in front of them to lose. They have to bank on people behind them to lose. Um, because I could totally see it, especially in Oklahoma and Wake Forest, I could jump them. The only team that they're safe is Notre Dame because they beat them. That's a team that will never, ever, ever jump them. They could, if Notre Dame wins out, it goes eleven and one. They'll never put them above Cincinnati, uh, because that's been a theme, the head-to-head. How I see this playing out, I, I truly do think Bama is not going to make it. They're, I think they're going to lose a, another game, like maybe to an Auburn, or if they win out, they'll they'll lose in the SEC championship to Georgia. So I think a two, uh, you can't put a two-loss team in there. You you can't do it with. Um, how many good teams there are. So I think Alabama will drop drop out eventually. So Georgia is going to stay at number one. Well, if Oregon if Oregon and Ohio State wins out, that's your two and three. But I, I'm i torn between Michigan State and Ohio State. I really am. I need more data there. But I guess today I'm just going to stick with Michigan State. I just think that Mel Tucker is an excellent coach. So I'm going to put Michigan State at two. Um, and then I'm going to put... A Oregon at three because I think the Pac-12 is weak and I think they're gonna they're they've been hot and they're gonna find a way to win. And um, gosh, at four, super super tough. This is where someone you could put in Oklahoma. This is someone you could put a Wake Forest. Um, maybe even Ohio State. Ohio State won't be in it at that point because they'll lose Michigan State. So right now, I'm just gonna bank on things falling into place for Cincinnati, and I'm gonna put them at four. But this is all subject to change. This is really, really hard to predict right now. Uh, but I will go Georgia, Michigan State, Oregon, Cincinnati. I love the rankings and the breakdown analysis. Now, a whole lot to add with Alabama. I think they end up falling out of it because Georgia's just looking well put together. That's who sees theirs to lose. I think this will be the first year we see Alabama out. Um, Michigan State, like you said, is looking very impressive, and I'm not quite sold on Ohio State's defensive reform when it comes down to the grind of them going against Michigan State and then following up with Michigan. That's going to be the huge matchup to really solidify what's going to happen there. As much as I want to see Cincinnati make it as the fourth spot, I think Oklahoma ends up jumping them just simply because the I think the size of the programs, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. I want to see Cincinnati there instead. But I could truly see Oklahoma getting there over Cincinnati in the end of it because Cincinnati has another game that they should blow this out, but the committee doesn't look favorably on them or something, some whack, wacky scenario like that where Oklahoma, who's currently two spots behind them, jumps over them because they start going on a tear. I'd rather have your ranking than what I said, but small programs have not been positioned favorably on these rankings. Let's go ahead and jump into our picks here for the week. Since we're in the college football mode right now, let's go ahead and look at the Saturday night football game where number four, Oregon, goes to Washington. Nathan, what are you seeing in this game? I'm looking at this game. we got Oregon as a seven-point favorite here. Um, I've got this game being a 31-23 game, Oregon winning on the road, right? So I, I like the point spread there. Um, 
with the seven. I think it's going to be about a touchdown game. So I'm going to stay away from that. I'm actually going to pick the over here. Um, I think Oregon's going to put up the points um, that they typically put up somewhere in the 30s. But Washington, I mean, but Oregon defense has been allowing over 25 points a game. Washington scores about that many a game as well. Um, So, and it's at home. So I think you're going to see Washington be able to match or even score, get around the same amount of points they average because that Oregon defense, I think, is a little bit weaker. Um, and, and because it's at home and on prime time of Washington, they're going to be able to match that. So I think it's going to be Oregon in the 30, you know, low to mid thirties, Washington in the mid twenties. So this, you're going to see this game being mid to upper fifties for the over under. And right now I have it at a 51. So I'm going to pick the over here for me. I'm going to go with the spread. I think the game's going to be close throughout, even though Oregon's favored, I think Oregon fails to cover the spread. The spread right now for me is at seven. I think it's going to be within that seven. So you can see a six, five, four point game here in the end. It just, with their common opponents, with the exception of Arizona, the games have been pretty tight for both teams against the Pac 12. I'm going to go into this assuming the same thing is going to happen. Oregon wins, but they don't get, they don't beat the spread. Moving on to our other picks in the season. Let's go ahead. What's your spread pick for this NFL week, Nathan? Yeah, breaking down the NFL games uh, this week. Um, this has been the closest the sports book and I have been in agreement with what we think the total scores, the over-unders are going to be, and the spreads are going to be. So it's it's been really, really tough for me to find the holes. I feel like in the some of the sports books, I've been having really, really good weeks the last couple of weeks. So um, I'm really tightening up this algorithm. I'm loving it. But I'm tightening it up too much now because, like I said, it's hard to find any holes, but right now I had Vegas minus three and given the latest news there, um, with rugs, you know, I've been, uh, I'm starting to second guess that, but I see this team, um, how they rallied and how well they've played with the whole John Gruden situation. Right. So they've, they've been through a little bit of controversy and a little bit of conflict and a little bit of noise. Um, and I felt like they responded well to that. So I think they're going to be able to respond well to this as well. And um, I have I have Vegas minus three against the Giants. For my spread pick, I'm going with Texans and Dolphins. Dolphins just have not been the team we thought they were going to be. And I'm not saying they won't win. I do believe they win, but I think it's going to be a four-point game as opposed to a six-and-a-half point set. They're saying they should win by. So I have the Texans not necessarily winning, but Dolphins don't beat the spread there is where I'm going with that one. Next, we have over and unders. Over and under, I'm going with the Broncos at the Cowboys. Now, I'm going to go with under with this, whether Dak plays or not. Broncos the last few weeks have been underwhelming in their offensive department. They've been 17 points the last two weeks when they've played. And throughout the season when they travel, it's just or three times, excuse me, this season, they've been over 20 points. So Dallas can be a machine when they have Dak in there in terms of putting up points, but they get up big. I don't see them driving up the score too much more because they have proven they're about keeping the team healthy throughout the season. So I'm going to go with the under of the 49 and a half points. What do you have for your over under, Nathan? Yeah, that's a a really good assessment there um, on that one. I'm going to actually go to the game you talked about earlier, Miami-Houston. I know it's, it's literally two 
probably the two worst teams in the league right now. Not because of their offenses, but because of their defenses. Um, both of them allowing either both of them allowing thirty points a game. Um, and what I've noticed is is not when you pick over under, it's not necessarily how many points you score compared to how many points they score. It's you got to look at how many points that team allows compared to how many points the other team allows. And so both of these allowing thirty points per game. I think it's they're going to make each other's offenses look pretty good. And, and so um, I, I see this kind of being like the Atlanta-Miami game where it ended up being this crazy shootout where, you know, both teams were in the 30s. Um, but it's two lackluster teams going at it because they have poor defenses. So I'm picking the over the 46. Um, I, I think this is like a high, you know, both teams are in the high 20s uh, sort of game. Right now I have actually Miami winning it. I think they've actually been playing well the last three weeks. Um, the Buffalo game, you know, it's Buffalo's and they've always played them bad and it was at Buffalo. So I get that. But the previous three weeks have been pretty good for them, even though they've lost. And, but mo- most importantly, the Deshaun wants monkey is finally off to his back. So I think Tua is going to feel a little relieved. He's going to feel a lot less pressure this week. That whole thing's behind him. Coming a little bit of a coming out party for him, and I think I think Miami actually could really roll Houston in this game, um, but there's going to be a lot of points scored, so I got the over there. Let's jump now to our money line underdog pick, and I'm going to pick your team here. I'm going to pick Philadelphia. Who do they play? I'm going to have pick Philadelphia to actually upset the Chargers. Uh, Chargers coming out east hasn't always been very good this year. Um, that they, they're a little bit of a careless team at times especially on the road and especially in different time zones. Philly has looked really, I mean, they look really good against Detroit. Um, There's times where they look really, really good, times where they don't. This Chargers team, I'm starting to get a little less confident in. Uh, They kind of make some boneheaded decisions and mistakes, and I still think they're working through things. But um, I kind of like Philly's chances here. I I, I think they they keep this game really, really close and give them a really good a good shot at winning this game yeah and i i will say i've been i started off low on the eagles mostly to get draft picks but the games they have been playing with the exception of the cowboys they've been pretty contentious throughout most of it but my money line pick is not there mine is the surprising one where the packers are considered underdogs against the chiefs i understand they're going to kansas city but this is not the same kansas city i i keep trying to believe that they're going to turn a corner but when you only beat the New York Giants by a couple of points, I it just things are going very south for you. People have something figured out. Uh, you texted me this during the Monday Night Football game. The Chiefs have only scored 23 points over the last eight quarters. And the Packers may not look like the super elite team they did last year, but they're very efficient and they're taking care of business. And the Chiefs just don't seem to have the answers right now. They seem to be, they have a lost identity. So with the Packers being the underdog, that's going to be my easy money line underdog this week with the Packers beating the Chiefs. Moving on next to our Sunday night football game, the Titans and Rams. This game surely has taken a turn. We'll get more into that after our picks here. But Titans at Rams, what are you looking at for this game, Nathan? First and foremost, I want to go back to your money line. Um, I'm very upset with myself because last time I checked that spread, it was a, just a pick 'em. They had it at zero, 
So I didn't know Kansas City was a minus one. Green Bay was a plus one. That's an easy shoe in um, underdog pick. So good for you for catching that. Um, last time I looked, that that wasn't the case. So uh, I'm a little disappointed in that. But my Sunday Night Football, uh, gosh, I'm just, I have to take the Rams seven and a half here. I Tennessee is way too dependent on Derrick Henry, in my opinion. Um, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is benefiting from I mean the best running back in the game and so he's able to do that play action passing very very well and use his legs and you know you've got two of the top 10 receivers also in the game you get to throw to so I think once you start taking away these weapons from Ryan Tannehill um, and putting a little bit more pressure on him you're going to start to he's going to start to fall apart a little bit saw that in Miami Um, I still think he's a good quarterback Um, don't get me wrong but the less pressure you can put on him, the better, because that's when he really, really does his job well. Um, but taking Derrick Henry away, these teams know, well, we know we're going to make Ryan Tannehill pass the ball. I think it could be a little problematic, especially now with Julio Jones has some injury issues. So, anyways, and then, of course, you know, the Rams just added Von Miller. Like, yeah, I know, like five years ago, it was probably one of the scariest defenders in the league, but... Regardless, it's still Von Miller, and you still have Aaron Donald, and then you got Jalen Ramsey. I just don't think Tannehill is good enough to deal with all that. And um, I'm—I know it's a big spread, but I'm picking Rams seven and a half. Yeah, looking at this game, the dynamics of it definitely change on what to look at—the over/under or the spread. And the Rams have been a team, with the exception of the last eight-minute Texans game, have been a team that's been very much about imposing their will against teams that they should be imposing their will. I think in this game, the Rams are going to flex their muscles, show that this trade was the right move for them, and try to surplant themselves as a superior NFC team, albeit with a hobbled Titans team. They still will not take away that moment to be on the big stage of Sunday Night Football, and they will be over the 7.5. I think it will be more like a 9-10 point game that they wouldn't buy, but we'll just say over 7.5 to just beat the spread on that one next are wild card picks my wild card pick this week i feel like this is a bit of a flyer but i feel like they have to get on track to be the team that we thought they were going to be just running some bad luck have some tough games this season but i'm going to say cleveland browns end up sneaking past the cincinnati Bengals, who just lost a heartbreaker in new york they come back home and the browns they're at 500 they have to win they have to start getting back on track and they do it here by beating the Bengals and beating the money line yeah, you should have saved your Green Bay money line um, for your wild card because now I'm going to pick Green Bay money line as my wild card um, to beat the Chiefs. So thank you for that. Now let's look at how is the NFL land? We talked about a few things when we talked about the Sunday night football game. That's where a lot of uh, eye of the storm is in terms of the big shifts going on in the NFL. Nathan, what are some shifts or changes that did or didn't happen with this NFL trade line going by? Yeah, really the really the only big one here was Von Miller to the Rams. Um, and it, the Rams have a very interesting strategy. They're a team that, you know, they never have first-round picks. Um, they trade them away a lot to get players in. And typically, that's frowned upon. Um, I feel like, be, you know, you, you, you look at teams like the Patriots who've always done so well at, like, accumulating draft picks, right? You always think that's the answer, but... The Rams' strategy is actually quite interesting because what they do is 
they trade their top tier top picks for players that are good now to fill in the gaps that they need to fill presently. But the reason it works for them is because they draft so well later, the second, the third, the fourth rounds, or they get they get players that are fantastic. So if you're able to do that, you know your 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 draft picks are much more valuable. You know your first round draft picks are much more valuable to trade. I feel like to fill in immediate needs and holes. If you're going to be able to draft third, fourth, fifth rounders very very well. So, uh, very interesting. So, I think the Von Miller thing is going to work because everything's worked for them. Like, the Jalen Ramsey's work. The Matthew Stafford's work, right? Like, once again, they, they trade their first rounders to get immediate needs. They need help with the corners. Let's get Jalen Ramsey. We need help with quarterback. Let's get Matthew Stafford. Well, now we want some help here in the front seven. Let's get Von Miller. I think that's a phenomenal move. I don't know if I'm surprised. Well, I'm just more happy <laughs> as a as a Finns fan, but I'm supposed to be unbiased here on this podcast. Um, Deshaun Watson didn't get traded, you know, and I'm happy that the 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 Finns didn't pull the trigger. I'm sad how they went about it. I'm sad for Tua, um, and and going through that process. I'm let things play out. I think there's going to be quarterbacks on the market next year that were not foreseen. I mean, obviously, Andrew Aaron Rodgers can be a free agent. Um, I think Russell, there's a, there's a chance Seahawks blow up everything there. In my opinion, Russell Wilson could be out. I didn't even think like someone like a Derek Carr could be out of uh, Vegas just with, uh, I mean, Vegas is just falling apart right now before eyes. Um, first with John Gruden, now with Henry Ruggs. Um, I I just think that's the team. I know I picked them to, to win this week, but, but overall could start to spiral downwards. Anyways, I, I just think there could be a lot of quarterbacks on the market looking to move. So don't give up. Give Tua the rest of the year. Look, let Deshaun Watson situation settle um, and, and, and not get too impatient. So um, not that I'm surprised or not surprised. I'm just happy that that's the way that panned out. And I just finally, to end with, the Browns need to get rid of Odell. They need to do something there. I think Cleveland's season is about to go from bad to worse. I know you picked them to beat Cincinnati. Um, there's a lot of problems there, and I think it's very, very clear this team does not want Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Um, offense alignment has kind of hinted at it. Um, clearly, Odell's father and, Le- and LeBron James have hinted at it um, with their tweets and everything. I think Cleveland is in a very, very um, a chaotic spot that I think is no one's really talking about right now. I think Stefanski has a locker room that is turning against their quarterback, um, not super publicly about it, but kind of publicly about it. And uh, I think Baker's in really, really big trouble right now. And I just think this Browns team's in big trouble. If they want to turn things around, they really got to put Case Keenum in this game and, and be the starter. That's my opinion. Um, I kind of went off the rails there of the trade deadline, but tell me your thoughts and projections real quick. Real quick. A few weeks ago when the Panthers got stuff on Gilmore from the Patriots, I thought that might be something that helps their franchise. Their team has been in disarray. So unfortunately that move doesn't seem to be as big of a move as I thought it would be. Zach Ertz going to the Cardinals, I thought was a really strong move for them. Uh, their offensive output had been looking good, but that position at tight end, 
I think Zach Ertz adds a bit depth to that to make it give them a better chance to be a strong wildcard team. As we spoke before, didn't think the Cardinals were that team to win the NFC West. Joe Flacco going back to Jets is what it is. Mark Ingram, I think going back to Saints is exactly what Kamara needs. Kamara needs someone to compliment him. And I think that'll help the team, especially with their recent injury with Jameis Winston. Him being out, they stayed par. They didn't go for a quarterback. They didn't panic. They have Taysom Hill. They have Trey Simeon to help solidify their quarterback field, which really shows like how much of a system that New Orleans has become in terms of the offensive schemes. You lose Jameis Winston, Trey Simeon comes in and is able to withstand the Bucks. Like that's just how the Saints have been. They'll they'll beat teams like the Packers, your Bucks, the teams that we have towards the top of the NFC, and then just bafflingly lose to teams that they should outclass. Next in the trade, I looked at the Melvin Ingram trade for the Chiefs. Wrong position to address Chiefs. You really need to address your secondary. Uh, the secondary just seems to be lost. There's no communication or fluid communication throughout the whole secondary. You have lots of spots, lots of holes. Daniel Jones looked very good against you. If it was a different quarterback, you'd probably lose that Monday night football game. So overall, the Rams do win their trade with Von Miller. Now, if this was Von Miller, like you said, uh, five years ago, hands down, easily the best trade. But Von Miller still has something in the tank to offer. A lot of veteran leadership, especially if they kind of use him in that outside linebacker position to help with that communication, help solidify that middle of the field. The big thing I I was wondering what they were going to do was the Titans. How quickly were they going to address that running back position? And they kind of stayed put. So them and the Chiefs were the two teams I thought would be big buyers in this trade market, but they just stayed pat with what they have in the areas they have, presumably the big deficiencies. Titans, theirs was more of a this just happened thing. And I don't disagree with them not doing anything just because your hope is Henry comes back next year just as strong if he's not able to return this year. But the Chiefs, they need to do something more immediate. It just it was hard to see where they were at. It looked like uh, off their offense was struggling more than their defense on that Monday night football game just to get anything going coherently. They had to bank on penalties. They had a lot of things they had to hope for. So big thing for the trade. Von Miller comes out on top as well as the Rams. While other teams that made moves, I don't think they quite hit what they needed to hit. And that's going to wrap us up for today. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have been the Sports Forecasters. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll talk to you next time.